What's up, everybody? Michael here. Um, you're probably not going to believe this, um, except you actually might because you also might make mistakes in your day-to-day -day life. But uh, I did something pretty silly yesterday. Um, I had Joel on my podcast to talk Survivor finale and Survivor season, and we talked for about an hour and a half, and we had a really great time. Um, and uh, I sent him on his way. He went home. And I got to down to business uh, doing a, I do a very, very mild edit of this podcast before posting. And um, due, due to my computer troubles that I was having during the podcast, it happened that I, I accidentally, while editing, only downloaded like the first 16 minutes um, of the podcast to MP3, which is what I upload uh, so that you all can hear it where you are and then I as soon as I had it downloaded I promptly deleted uh, everything that I had because uh, my computer storage was like yelling at me and geeking, geeking out and so I went ahead and deleted all that uh, and then you know I don't normally do this but I turned on my podcast uh, just because I was doing mindless uh, activities and you know got a, got a bump of those numbers on listens and um, it stopped after about 16 minutes and I was like what the heck why is it stopped and um, it turns out that, uh, like I had already said, I, I only uploaded 16 minutes of the podcast yesterday and I deleted the rest of it. So if that's the case and you already listened to part one, the first 16 minutes of this podcast episode, uh, once I'm done talking here, if you fast forward about 16 minutes, um, that's going to pick up pretty much exactly uh, where we were. Um, but um, anyways... Um, that's my story. So if you think that you are a silly, silly, dumb guy, um, I promise you, you're not the only one. Um, we all make mistakes. We've all been there. And, um, I, I really, really appreciate you bearing with me, uh, during these technical difficulties. And once again, thank you to my brother, Joel, um, for doing this twice with me. Yeah. We had to record it again tonight, um, on Friday. Um, and one other thing, we have our first ever sponsor of the podcast, um, it's Michael Klinger Photography. So um, if you need pictures for your family or for your senior pictures or you need new headshots, um, Michael Klinger Photography wants to do that for you at a price that you can afford. Um, we are mowing down the competition. Um, I just got done with a uh, senior picture shoot today. I've got another one on the books for tomorrow. So a uh, busy weekend for me here in Nashville. Um, but, uh, if you're interested, um, you can slide in my DMS on Twitter, um, or you can, um, find me on Instagram at the Michael Kling. And I would love to help you out with that. Um, anyways, uh, other than that, there's no more ads. Don't worry. I want to keep this as listener friendly as possible. So once again, um, if you already listened to the beginning of this podcast, uh, you're just going to want to fast forward about 16 minutes. Uh, one other announcement. We are now on Spotify. So um, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or on Podbean, um, which I don't know where else people listen to podcasts. Maybe Audible. Does Audible have podcasts? I don't know. This isn't an Audible ad. So, um, yeah, if you want to follow us on Spotify, that would be great um, because I'm really excited. They just have like, it just looks cooler when you're listening to podcasts on Spotify than you are on Apple podcasts. So if that's your jam, 
uh, go ahead and uh, follow us on Spotify. Um, but all that said, I hope that you enjoy mine and Joel's conversation about the Survivor finale and the season as a whole. Take care. God bless you. Love you. Bye. All right, everybody. Welcome in to the Michael Like Stuff podcast. I am here with my brother, Joel, and we both watched the Survivor finale last night separately. Joel, what's up? Oh, not much, man. Dude, the Survivor finale was hype. Probably the best I've ever seen. Um, I knew I was experiencing a moment the whole time, you know? I was literally on edge the whole thing. And then I got a message. Someone wanted needed to talk to me right then. So I had to take a 30-minute break. And I was just like uh, still on edge about Survivor the whole time. So it was hard. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I knew that it had to be an interesting thing going into this last episode. And I honestly think it ended up probably the better than I could have imagined. Yeah. So, uh, where this is going to be full spoilers. So if you haven't seen, uh, last night's episode of survivor, the season 40 finale, um, I'm going to ask that you don't listen to this unless you are never going to watch it. Uh, because this is going to be full of spoilers. So this is your opportunity. I'm going to give you about 10 more seconds of me talking, and then uh, we're going to be jumping right into it. So um, once again, we will be spoiling the season 40 finale of Survivor. So if you have not seen it, and you're going to, this is your chance. Maybe you're asleep, and you're going to wake up, and it's just going to be talking about it, spoiling it for you. So don't fall asleep listening to my podcast or that's what happens. You People don't fall asleep listening to your podcast, Michael. You know that, right? Actually, I've been told that I have a very soothing voice. So, Really? No, I haven't been told that. <laughs> but anyways, um, so on last night's episode, um, it was down to the final five going into it with a Edge of Extinction returning challenge pending. Uh, going into last night, it was Tony, Sarah, Denise, Ben, and Michelle. And then in the first uh, scene was the Edge of Extinction Challenge. And Joel, Natalie came back. What did you think about the challenge? I thought it was weird because they, at least the producers wrote it like she really struggled. And it looked like she really struggled when they did the wide shots too. So like that looked natural. Because she had way more advantages than everybody else. So I was kind of shocked that Natalie would just butcher the ropes course like that. But she still managed to win. I was about to be really, really, really upset if Wendell won. Wendell had no business getting back in the game. He did not play a good game. Natalie was the one that deserved it. So like my heart was like pump, was pounding when Wendell dropped his first one and no one else had. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Well, I mean, it's hard to say. I think at that point in the game, Wendell had played just as good of a job as Natalie. The reason that we wanted Natalie to win is because the editors had told us that we wanted Natalie to win. Right. They wrote her throughout the whole show. But it's also like she did the most. Like she, how, I don't know how many fire tokens she actually ended up with by her working and all that stuff. When she listed out all the advantages that she'd she won. She had 14 fire tokens. I literally forgot about some of the advantages that she, that she had won or given based off of all her stuff when she was listing it in tribal council. I was like, this is actually like a ton. She, um, she wasn't even able to use all of her fire tokens. Even after she bought Tyson and immunity idol, she still wasn't able to use all of her fire tokens. Yeah. 
So I think that was uh, pretty crazy. And, you know, as much as I have been a, a dissenter of the Edge of Extinction twist, I did think it was executed a lot better this season than it was um, on 38. Yeah. Uh, just because, A, we care about these characters. You know, I don't really, like, I don't want to see Reem and Wendy out on Edge of Extinction like Chris won that season and he was on extinction for a long time. Um, and we didn't care about Chris with Natalie. I mean, I'm a Natalie fan. Like a lot, there's a lot of Natalie fans out there. So it didn't have that same stink of season 38's edge of extinction. And also with the fire tokens aspect, she was affecting the game and the, what she was doing on extinction was ended up getting her back into the game. Cause there's no way she wins that challenge as good of a challenge player as she is without those advantages in the challenge. Right. But she really struggled. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how big of an advantage that was like in the, I feel like in the first edge of extinction in the first like challenge to get back in the game when Tyson won, the advantages weren't like that crazy, but they were like, well, if someone has a, crap ton of tokens then we might as well have have them be able to use them so like they just loaded up advantages like crazy like she got advantage not digging that's like a minute long at least advantage oh longer than that the digging is the worst part like having whatever it was just sitting on top of the pole that's insane like when i watched that i was like are you kidding me that is like crazy that's like giving them a win. Yeah, and I mean, I was really excited when Natalie won, um, but I think we were supposed to be excited about it and not feeling like, oh, uh, if they win, it's going to be really sad. I mean, I was I was thinking, you know, and I've, I've been thinking leading up to this, like I think that whoever has the, comes back from Edge of Extinction is going to have a huge advantage if they can make it to the final three, because you get to schmooze all the jurors mm-hmm. for the whole season. So, I mean, that's a huge advantage when you're hanging out with everyone on the jury and they're sitting there thinking, man, if I got back, like I would want people to be able to vote for me. So I feel like I can vote for this person. And that's honestly one of the more interesting things I found about Natalie's game, because you heard the jurors say it like Natalie just honestly didn't care about that part of the game. Like she was like, I'm here to win. Like, I'm here to make it to the end. I'm here to get back in the game. And, like, she didn't schmooze. Like, Boston Rob was like, why'd you alienate, like, all us five, like, me, Amber, Ethan, and Yule? Like, why did you do that? But Parvati was like, nah, I like that. You weren't faking it. Like, I feel like a lot of other people out here were. And it's like, I, I kind of, it's it's an interesting dynamic. I feel like a lot of, since we know these characters better, I find that their character dynamic is very, I know them way better than I do other seasons because like people knew Natalie they knew that she was like a no fake a not fake person that she was just like I'm here to win you do whatever you want I'm gonna do whatever I want yeah and I think um we can say she wasn't schmoozing the jurors but it's still an advantage to know all of them like because I mean, if you give Tyson and buy Tyson an idol with your fire tokens, like you've locked down his vote, right? Like you've locked down Parvati's vote. So it definitely wasn't, it was still an advantage to her, even if she didn't go full on schmoozing the jury on, on the edge. Um, but at that same time, like it's not even really schmoozing. Cause like you might as well get along with those people because you're not really competing with them. 
socially. Yeah. You're only competing with them physically. And I think it's really interesting because I wonder, would anyone else have a chance to win the whole thing? The only person I can think of would be Tyson. Because Tyson would have gotten back in the game twice. And people love Tyson. People love Tyson. I don't I don't love him as much as everyone else does, but people love Tyson. Well, yeah, he's a lovable guy. I don't know. I just I just never got it. Like I, I like I see I see his I see I see his humor. He's he seems to me kind of like a jerk. But like, I mean, if that's your thing, then that's cool. Like I get it. He's entertainment value, but I don't know. I think he I think he might have won if he had made it to the end instead of Natalie. Yeah, and I, I, you know, this is really jumping ahead, but I think Natalie would have won if she had beat Tony in a fire-making challenge. Mm-hmm. I really think that she would have won because, I mean, you heard Boston Rob at Final Tribal asking her, you know, why didn't you go for it? Like, we've all said, like, you have to play a perfect game. And, you know, that's how Chris Underwood won was by taking out the biggest threat in the fire-making challenge and I think if she had done that, I mean, it would have been, I think, a really even across the board voting for Natalie, Michelle, and Sarah in a final three. But I also, I mean, I don't think she made a horrible decision, but I think, I mean, I think she probably would have won if she had um, been able to beat Tony at Farming Challenge. But also, she she obviously didn't think she would win. Right. Or it was a 50 50 toss up and you're not going to throw that out right if i was now that you put the best person up against him like it doesn't matter who it is michelle the editors made it look like she was going to pick michelle and michelle was going to like go ham on tony in the fire making challenge which would have been that would have been the best the best finale i've ever seen in my entire life if michelle like won the like one of the last immunity challenges and then she makes fire to knock out the best player in the best game I would have I would have lost it. I would have been like, this is incredible. Michelle gets the win. But also I think Natalie might have knew him like people like Michelle. And honestly, I was shocked for to see Michelle not get any votes at all. Yeah. I think that if Michelle had this is what the Michelle beats a lot of people at Final Tribal, but she didn't beat obviously wasn't gonna beat Tony. And Natalie was the edge of extinction returner, which is an advantage. And so, I mean, I think if Michelle, which she wanted to, had found a way to sit at the end with Denise and Nick, or Nick and Ben, I think that Michelle takes it. Um, But Nick sunk her game um, when he didn't go with what she wanted. Yeah. Uh, Voting Jeremy out was kind of a death knell for Michelle, and you could see that she knew that Right. uh, right after um, man, but yeah, Michelle played awesome this season, and I feel like she's gone from someone who a lot of people viewed as a bottom tier winner, which I think is sort of a ridiculous concept. You can only beat the people that are on the island with you. Right. You can only play with the people on the island with you, and Michelle's strength is her social game, and that's something that you the edit is not built to let you see. They have not figured out how to show someone is like, beloved by this cast and i think it's cool as someone who didn't watch co wrong it's like i never got that exposure to michelle in the first place but to me out of everyone in the game except for maybe tony she had her pulse on what was going on the whole time 
more than anybody else except for Tony. Like, Sarah was oblivious to some things late in the game. Like, Ben was too. They were just loyal to Tony. And then you had Michelle, who was always on the bottom, always seeing things, never really got a footing in the game at all from the first tribal. And it was like, she knew, she still knew what was going on. And I think, I think there's intuition there that I feel like is taken for granted. As someone who watches the game, I'm like, you know, watching Sarah be like, no, I don't think she has an idol. I'm like, Sarah, you idiot. Of course she has an she idol. She bought three advantages in the unit, in the returning challenge. Like you've got to think she was able to buy an idol too. Right. And that's, that's clear to me as a viewer. Like everybody at home is like, Sarah, you're being really dumb right now. But Sarah had no idea. But I, I think that, and this is what Tony was saying. He's like, literally, I always go along with what you and Ben say, and you never listen to me. And it's like, Tony was right, and they didn't listen to him. And the thing is, I think that they sh- she should have known. I know it's easy to say because we are the omniscient viewer, but I think she should have known that they could have at least there was a good chance she would have had an immunity idol. Chris Underwood was handed an immunity idol in season 38 and Tyson had already returned. So I'm sure they had already knew that there was a menu of stuff that you could buy coming back. And so that's why I was like, I really didn't get it. I think that was just pure overconfidence by Sarah that the fact that she was like, well, I've spent one day with Natalie and if she had an idol, she would have told me, yeah, that's crazy. I'm sorry. That's insane. Like, you're a winner. I get that. You won. You also lost a season. But Natalie also won a season. You can't just think that someone by being a physical threat, which is basically what they were crediting Natalie as being, is not going to have some wit about her. Like, some cleverness. Like, you're not, like, I think that was absolutely crazy for Sarah to do. But I don't know if I'm in that situation, if I believe her. Because I have pretty... I have a lot of confidence in my social reading ability of the people around me. And it's like, if I got in the game, I may rely on that too much and think that I'm reading one thing and I'm completely not reading something. So to bring it back to Michelle, her ability to just know, this is the way the game works. These are the relationships that are forming right now. This is what's bad for me. Like, I think, I think that is a huge credit to her game. And I probably wouldn't have voted for her but I think she probably would have been my second choice. And I feel like maybe a lot of the jury's second choice too. Yeah. I think Michelle has, is kind of the new Sandra, except she's really likable as well. And I think that that's something because Michelle plays the, as long as it's not me game, but she does it in a way that people all like her as a person, you know, she's not spouting off at camp or doing all that. She's, building genuine connections with people and she's not using that to rip them to shreds like Sarah is or someone like that. And, you know, and that's the thing. I, I, I don't know if Sarah watched San Juan del Sur, but if you did, you would know that Natalie and Sarah actually are pretty similar players. Like Natalie is very savvy. And I think that she just completely underestimated him talking. Let's keep talking about Sarah because I thought one of the most weirdest, heartfelt, but also, I was like, are you serious, moments in the episode uh, was when Ben basically tanked his game, which, 
I think we all knew Ben wasn't going to win, and I'm sure he probably thought he wasn't um, based on what he did. But him saying, Sarah, like, you can vote me out, I thought that was absurd. He's like, you can't make, you know, it was like, friends is worth more than money. It's like, yeah, man, but y'all don't even live in the same place. Man, that's $2 million. Like, he didn't stand a chance to win, and, like, I guess he probably intuitively understood that. But if he intuitively understood that then, shouldn't he have made a move to put himself in better position like two or three votes before that? That's the thing I didn't really understand about Ben's game, and I know that he feels good about that. I heard him in an interview with uh, Rob Sesternino on Rob Has a Podcast, and he's at peace with his decision. He feels good about it. Um, He even acknowledged at that point, I knew I wasn't going to win. I don't want to have to go a year with the unknown, even though thinking I probably didn't win. Um, And so I think, you know, if he's happy, it's a good decision for his life. If I'm ever in that situation, though, I will not be doing that. Yeah, I think think there is a personal thing to it. I also think there's a strategic move there, okay? If I'm Ben, okay, I'm not going to win. I'm not I'm not going to win, okay? Um but if he tells Sarah that, I feel like if Sarah gets voted off, then he would get her jury vote. After cuz like he was probably Sarah's number 1 at that point, lock, locking that loyalty up, right? I think Tony still gets Sarah's jury vote. I don't know. I feel like that is such a huge move where Sarah like basically Ben just laid down his game for her, and if she chose not to take that, then I feel like she would have respected that enough to throw him her jury vote and be like, he's worth $2 million. And she might've known like, he's not going to, he may not win, but like I would, I would, if someone offered to sacrifice their game a hundred percent, you knew they were a hundred percent serious and you were on the jury and they were in the finals. I'd vote for them a hundred percent. Yeah. So talking about others, strange tribal council things, let's go, let's go back. Um, even the vote before that. And let's talk about, um, when there was a tie between um, Denise and Lucina, and obviously I'm calling her Lucina on this episode uh, due to her wishes, so uh, mad props uh, to Officer Lucina. Um, and in the moment, I was screaming at the television, make it go to fire, make it go to fire, and they didn't. And I was listening to, uh, once again, Rob has a podcast, and Natalie was on, and what she said was that Sarah had told them if they voted Denise out that she would be open to working with them. And so Sarah had played that proactively uh, before they had gone to tribal, so they were thinking, you know, if there's a tie and we end up having to vote out Denise, then we'll be okay if if we keep Sarah around, which obviously they I think that they should have still made him go to fire i think natalie said that on the podcast she's like we probably should have made him go to fire um but i don't know how much difference it ends up making in the end game either way right so say they go to fire how good is denise at fire anyway i mean i assume fairly good i mean i assume all of them are are able to make a fire i've never the editors never show denise making a fire i've never seen denise making a fire how many people do they show making a fire though not very many especially in the in the more recent seasons you're not getting like them struggling to make a fire or unless especially yeah. with the returners i just don't my problem with that vote i don't understand why they voted for ben 
over Denise or Sarah, Lucina, excuse me. Because it's like, did they think that they could possibly work with Denise down the road? Because Denise seems to me like in this season she was a total self-preservation player. Like, I'm just going to stick around and go with the flow and whatever. And then she got cut. But if I'm Natalie and Michelle, I'm thinking, okay, who has an idol? Tony has an idol. We don't know if anybody else has an idol. Why put it on Ben? Ben was the ultimate idol finder and heroes, hustlers, and healers. And it's like, maybe they just didn't watch that season, didn't know Ben at all. But like Ben was going to find an idol this season with all, the, with all the idols that were out there. I just don't understand why they put their votes on Ben instead of Lacina or even Denise and why they were so tight with Denise if the play was get Sarah in the whole time. Does that make sense? This is, this is what I, my understanding is that Denise and Ben were actually perceived to be tighter than Sarah and Tony. That mm. is what I've, I have heard. Um, and so I think that if, if that's the case, if you think that Denise is never going to flip on Ben, then she's kind of worthless to you from a, from a vote perspective. If she's not going to willing to write down Ben's name and she's probably not going to write down Sarah's name there wasn't a lot of chance there uh, for them to work with Denise anyways. And that kind of surprises me that Ben would vote Denise over Sarah. Like, if, if Ben and Denise were so tight, then why didn't Ben stick up for Denise and say, hey, I'll vote, I'll vote Sarah with you guys? I, th- I think it was a matter of Ben is as tight with Tony and Sarah as he is with Denise. He's actually probably tightest with Sarah, then Denise, then Tony. But Denise's best ally is Ben. So Denise doesn't have those other secondary tertiary relationship to fall back on. So she's inevitably going to be more loyal to Ben because of that um, than Ben is to her. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I still still just question that decision to put their votes on Ben. Um, But, yeah. I don't know. That was an icky situation. I feel like this whole finale, there were so many different ways that it could have fallen even just with six people, especially with Natalie getting in on Edge of Extinction. But, um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, moving on, I just I want to talk about Michelle because obviously she's my favorite Survivor player. If you follow us on Twitter, you know that. I retweet a lot of Michelle Fitzgerald content. I create F- Michelle Fitzgerald content. She's uh, the queen of Survivor in my eyes, um, and I am just a huge fan of hers, and I thought that she played a great game this season and you know i i picked her at the beginning of the season to win the whole thing in in um a survivor pool that i was in and um there were times where i was like i don't know how she's gonna win but i knew she was gonna be there at the end you know and obviously i felt like the edit um did sort of put her in that light she got a lot of confessionals um whether it was like i'm on the an island with my ex-boyfriend or like whatever, she kept being in the story. And that's what happens. I think she said she went to like 14 out of 17 tribal councils or something like that, which is a ton. Like I'm sure probably the most in this whole season um, because Nick or Wendell didn't make it. And she went to more before the tribe swap anyways. Um, so I just thought that she played a great game. She is um, a dominating player. Uh, when it comes to like anybody but me, and she's able to do that in a way that's also likable, which sets her apart, makes her different from someone like Sandra. Um, 
and she's able to play anybody but me in a way um, that she still has an understanding of at some point I'm going to have to do something uh, to my allies or to someone in power to make a move. And that's where Nick messed up a lot. He was too focused on self-preservation where Michelle at least has that understanding of, we have to do this right now or we're going to be toast. And so thank you, Nick, for tanking Michelle's game, uh, flipping on Jeremy like that. Um, But anyways, I, I'm not a Nick hater. I don't want to come off as a Nick hater. I actually like Nick. I was rooting for him in David versus Goliath. Um, I think that he's, he, I think he caught a lot of slack this season just because he does not have the same respect of the old school players. And he is probably the least respected of the new school players. I would say Nick is probably the least respected survivor player. He's also the most recent winner that was on this season. So you would kind of expect that. Um, but anyways, uh, what did you think about Michelle's game this season? Uh, it's as someone who's never seen Korong, um, walking into the season, I didn't really know what to expect other than what you've told me about, but in the early part of the game, I thought she was weak. You know, she sits behind Jeremy. She just tied alliances with Jeremy and she's, it looks like she's just going to try to ride him to the end. Um, but watching her later in the game, seeing her adapt to situations and not just like flipping on Jeremy when everyone else did, when Nick, like that's the thing, Nick will just flip. Nick will do whatever anybody tells him to do, just as long as it's not him. Like when Tony got rid of Sophie, I would say Sophie was probably one of Nick's closest allies. But Nick was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll vote Sophie, that's fine. And like, I don't know why that would have been good for Nick's game to do that but he just like is i'm gonna make a big move when people want to make big moves as long as it's not me michelle is loyal in her game like she doesn't try to flip-flop but once she sees where she is she's an underdog so she's not going to be targeted first but once she sees one of her alliance allies go down she's like well crap what am i going to do now and then she scrambles and you saw like the perfect she won two immunity challenges season and they could not have been at a better time she was super timely and clutch. And, like, literally both of those, if she loses, she goes home. Both times. And, you know, for someone like Michelle, who's not a physical threat, I mean, she came back and it was kind of lucky that the puzzle was the exact same she's as the She's a puzzle one. threat. I mean, yeah, but she's legitimately good at puzzles. And it was really impressive. She was, like, she was so late. Like, she was, like, a whole puzzle bag yeah. behind. And then she just walked up and did it. And yeah, like, it, was, what the heck? it was like she got there and then it panned away for five seconds and then it was back and she had done the whole thing. And obviously it's not timed out the way that we're, but it was like no one else had made any progress. And like what I'm assuming was a like probably like three to five minutes before she got there at all. And then she put the whole thing together and then everyone's, that's the other thing. Like, why are you copying Michelle? Cause that means you're behind. Like you're going to have to like, once you get to the next level, stop watching her, start putting it together yourself. Um, which like, I'm always sitting at home, like I could do that puzzle, but I'm sure that the mental fatigue, the physical fatigue, you've been out there for at that point, like 35, 36 days. Um, that's takes a huge toll. And so I, I, I obviously don't want to say that it was an easy puzzle because it certainly wasn't, but I was a little bit disappointed with the performance of the other players that they couldn't get anything together. And the, yeah. 
that said, like puzzles are not those players' strengths, and it came it came to show. So yeah, uh, it's pretty. It was pretty wild uh, watching it, and I don't. I feel like with Michelle, she's she's very pretty. She's attractive. That's and, what I've heard, and <laughs> I feel like in Survivor and in life attractive people can be can be judged as not as smart or not as talented as other people and i mean i know that like i have real trust issues with attractive people just because i mean i feel like a lot of people do that's probably scientific evidence that people probably have uh some people probably have more trust in attractive people and some probably have people probably have less and it's like i just don't think that she's capable but this season i mean she proved that she's capable um, with the challenge, with winning the challenges when she needed to, and also with her social game. And it, I was shocked to see her really turn it on and have a pulse on everything that was going on. Unlike Lucina, unlike Ben, and just know what was going on in the game, when she was going to go and who was going to win. And I feel like she had an awareness that no one other than Tony had. Yeah. I think that that awareness is probably something that, really sets players apart in the game of Survivor. Like, you can be a great challenge threat, and you can win nearly every challenge, like someone like Ozzy or Terry Dietz or someone like that. But a lot of times, those players are not going to be the people, and we haven't seen a player that was that physically dominant win. Um, And so uh, I think that, like, it is an attribute that most winners have but when you're playing with all other winners it really shows who has that to the nth degree and you could tell that kim spradlin had it um because she knew it was time and it just didn't work for her because of you know plays but um people like michelle people like tony people like kim spradlin sandra players like that that have that sixth sense of of knowing I have to do something now. This is the time. Not too early, not too late, right at the right time. And um, if Michelle had aligned herself with better players this season, I think that she would have done better. But she was aligned with Wendell. She was aligned with... Jeremy. Jeremy, who was aligned with Boston Rob, which is in the in the first tribe is... That's tough. You know, that's not, that's not who you really want to be aligned with. She was aligned with Nick... And just a lot of players who really didn't have what to, what it took. And, like, I felt like you could kind of tell, um, like, right after the merge when there's, like, Sophie and Sarah and their whole crew and, and Tony's involved in that and Ben's in that, that that was the crew you needed to be in, you know, to have the best chance. Not that the game was over at that point, Um but that's the crazy thing is it wasn't like it was an 8-3. Like, this isn't like season 14 or whatever, where whoever has more going into the merge carries that all the way through the end. You knew things were going to change, but you also thought, I think those are the players I'd want to be aligned with. I wouldn't really want to be aligned with Nick and Wendell. Um, and especially because, like, there was one alliance and then there was like a loose grouping of people that wasn't even really together who all had people on in that alliance that were close to like, well, Denise is not in the alliance, but she's close with Ben and a lot of stuff like that. And so I think that that 
from that point on, like I obviously didn't think that then, but in hindsight, you could kind of tell, oh yeah, this is the crew you want to be riding with, especially the way that they played it so loyally. Other than Tony flipping to get Sophie voted out, it was pretty much a straight shot to the finals for, for that crew. And uh, so I thought that was a really impressive gameplay by Tony and Sarah. And impress, as much as it pains me to say, impressive gameplay by Ben to know that's the horse I need to be with. Even if he didn't do anything to put himself in the lead uh, going into the finale, um, I thought it was still a good gameplay choice by him to like know this is the crew I need to be with. Yeah, and it's something that you see, I feel like, Tony knew that that was happening when it was happening. He knew that like this core alliance is strong, and then you got all these other people, these these little people, and he, he also like did the threats and hyenas kind of thing, and he kind of had a feel for all that situation. But he also knew that while he need while he was in the alliance, he wasn't like the alliance with someone in that alliance, and that's why he needed to get rid of Sophie. And I felt like that was a huge move because. In Survivor, I feel like it's a balancing act because it's like, okay, if you're up seven to six in numbers, you obviously have to take off like two of the six, but then you don't want to keep going because someone's going to blindside somebody and it might as well be you blindsiding them before they get you. Yeah. And Tony was able to do that while keeping the numbers with that core alliance and keeping them loyal to him for some ridiculous, some unknown reason to me. Yeah. Since we already had, I mean, we had this conversation last night, so I feel like I don't need to say this again, but obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, you have not heard this, um, but I really think that the final nine vote, when they tried to vote split and Tony flipped and made it a 4-3-2 vote, was the turning point in the season. I really think that Tony had a chokehold on this game after that. Um, after getting Sophie out at final nine, he had a straight shot to the finale. You know, I'm amazed that he was able to convince Sarah and Ben that he was like, no, I'm with you guys. Because I wouldn't believe him at that point. Right. You know, and so I think that's one thing. It was cool to watch the different styles of play interact with each other this season. Because I really think in a new school season, so so if you are able to pull off a 4-3-2 vote, the people that you messed over aren't going to be like, okay, now we're in it to the end with you. They're going to be like, whatever, and then they're going to find a way to get you out because you just did something good. Like in New School Survivor, I really think that we see at the fa- finals, and I know that we've talked about this before, but at the finale, like we always see probably the the second or third best player and then like the 10th best player and the 16th best player in the season sitting at the final three, and that's not what happened this season. I really felt like we had probably – at least three of the top 10. And like this season was so hard because everyone, you know, everyone's a good player. Even if the edit tried to make people look silly, they really struggled because everyone was doing good. So like they'll show stuff like Nick coming up on people and they'll play the goofy music or whatever. Or they make a big goof thing about Michelle and Wendell or Adam or Adam. Yeah. And like they're trying like, Normally, they just keep coming back to the same person and making them look silly and clowny, just like Nora, um, Debbie. Angelina. Angelina. And they just like, okay, like about season episode five, they have found their person that they're going to clown the whole season. And they couldn't really do that this, this season, which I thought was really interesting. 
And so instead of having like a clear cut winner this season going into the finale, like I really felt like even going into tribal, I was like, you know what? I don't know. Like, I think Tony's going to win. But if people voted for Michelle, I wouldn't blame them. Like, being liked is is a lot of the game. Making big moves is a lot of the game. And taking advantage of challenges and advantage play is part of the game. And in those three categories, a different person at the fin- finale, at the final tribal council, was leading in each of those. Michelle, the most liked. Tony has been making the strategic plays the whole game. And Natalie had one heck of a run with immunities and with advantages at the end. And so I really think that that, it wasn't nearly as clear-cut as a lot of times. Right. I feel like when you're talking about outwit, outplay, outlast, like Natalie outlasted everybody just by sitting on Edge of Extinction and winning, won the big challenge that she needed to and finding an idol and all that stuff. And, you know, you could say Michelle outwitted people, which I don't know if that's true. She out-socialized, I'd probably say. But Tony probably outwit and outplayed everybody else. And, you know, like when you're looking back at seasons like Tokenton's with, with JT, it's like JT dominated, like clearly. Well, like he, he Steven was there every step of the way. Right. He and was. had as much to do with strategy as JT. But Steven's not brought into that like alliance without JT. I think JT could get wherever he got without Steven, but Steven couldn't get where he got without JT. I don't know, because when you're trying to navigate uh, in a numbers game, two is better than one. If you're if you're adding two people to a voting block, it's better than adding one person to a voting block. Right. And but, I, I think that there's like a level of security that comes with that, because if you vote off one of them, the other person isn't going to want to work with you. And so I don't think that JT wins without Steven. I'm sorry. I can't get there. I don't know. But it's just like his immunity run was way better than Steven's. If you're comparing their outwit. Right, which is why he won. If they're comparing their outwit, they're, they did every move together. So that's like no different. But if you're comparing their outplay, JT just absolutely murdered everyone. So I feel like in this season, there really wasn't a total blow by winner. Um, but I, I mean, Tony played an incredible game. He played an incredible game. But so Michelle played her game the best she could. Natalie played her game the best she could. No, no, she didn't. It was not Natalie's fault that she got voted off the first time. I mean, it was. I really don't think so. Because literally, if you listen to If you get voted off first, bro, it's your fault. If you listen to their reason for why, they were like, well, so there was the core, there was the core alliance that voted, of the young people that voted him out or whatever. And I think it was like 6-4, right? I think it was like her and... Jeremy and Rob and Parv that voted with them or something. See, but here's the thing. Like, you can... Getting voted off first, it's not like, well, there was nothing that I could have done. It's like, no. You could have, like, worked on your social game. And she even said that at Final Tribal Council. She was like, obviously, I could have, like, really worked harder the second I got on the beach to secure my spot, and I did But that's not her. Like, that's not her. That's the game, though. Okay, here's my... So you're saying she's not good at Survivor. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. Winners are so subjective. They're incredibly subjective. You can vote for anybody and say they played the best game because they're sitting there and I'm not. Like, I I just... Rewatching Survivor Seasons has really made me think, like, why would this person get votes over another person? In, in the season where Parvati won, 
there were Sari and Amanda. Amanda were in the final three, and Sari got voted off. And I was sitting there. I was like, I'd probably vote for Sari and Amanda over Parvati, and Parvati won. So it's like Parvati, I feel like, didn't really play a better game. She just was more likable. So it's like it's like I think it's that was a pure perception vote. I think it was perceived exactly. that Parvati was the one working it. So everything, and is, I do think Sari would have won if she had made it to the final two instead of Amanda. Everything is about perception. Russell did not win his season. Strategically, he played a way better game, and the other and the girl just dragged, is just like held on his coattails. But the girl was nice, and she was like, "I can probably make it if I just don't piss anybody off and sit here with him." So she won. I I just think that. Every person's going to see it differently. I think that's the kind of the thing about Survivor. We have arguments about who who's better, who's better. Was this the best game ever played? It's like, I can't go out there and play a game like Ozzy. I can go out there and play a game like David, maybe. And it's like, does that mean that my game is any less than Ozzy's would be? Or any better? I feel like it's just different personalities with different things. Right. So all that to say... Natalie did not play a great game, hence she got voted off first. But she got four votes in the end. And if Tony wasn't sitting there with her, if it was anybody else, she very well could have won. I don't know. I don't know about that because I I think that people were voting, were not putting votes on Michelle because they were afraid people were going to vote for Natalie. So they voted for Tony instead. That is what I have heard from Michelle's mouth that people told her after Tribal Council. People like Wendell, people like Ben came to her and said, hey, you played a great game, and some people did not vote for you because they were afraid Natalie was going to win. Huh. That, that sounds like not a good reason to vote for someone. Well, it's it's essentially saying, okay, let's see. I'm not going to vote for... Okay, so it's like saying, let's say that it's Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton versus um, Gary Johnson. And for some reason... You want to vote for Gary Johnson, but you're thinking, I don't think he has a chance to win, and I definitely don't want this other candidate to win, so I have to vote for that person that I like the second most. Okay, but if there are these... It was that type of play is what I was thinking. people that you're talking about, okay? People means multiple. So two or more, right, voted for Tony because right. they thought... Say, what happens if four of them are saying that? If four of them voted for Michelle instead of Tony, it would just be a three-way tie. Right. And that's what I'm saying is that like you can't assume that if Tony's not sitting there and Sarah's sitting there instead that Natalie wins because I don't think that's true. And you can't say that if it was a final two between Natalie and Michelle that Natalie wins because I'm not sure that's true either. And I know that earlier in this podcast that we recorded yesterday, I said that I think Natalie would have won if she beat Tony in fire making. And that might be true too. The truth is we don't know. Like, we don't know what would have happened, but what I'm saying is that um, Michelle might have beat Natalie if we were just talking, if we just asked the jury, who do you want to vote for, Michelle or Natalie? In my opinion, there's still a good chance Michelle takes that. But I think that someone like Michelle and someone like Sarah would have split votes because they're, because pe- they're, they're, I assume there's people on the jury who are thinking, I'm not going to vote for an Edge of Extinction person. Like, all the backlash that Chris Underwood got after Edge of Extinction, like, I just don't think that there was a lot of, uh, probably a lot of people went in thinking, I'm not going to vote for anyone 
off Edge of Extinction. Obviously, I would love it if people voted for me and I would come off Edge of Extinction. But especially if, like, Chris set a precedent that I think we are holding against Natalie. Like, we're like, who cares if Natalie won the immunity challenge? She didn't make fire. She didn't make fire. It's like, why would she win the immunity challenge if she just has to make fire anyways? And I think that that is, like, something... Like, uh, um, Ali Lasher, uh, went on, Rob has a podcast today and she was talking about that very thing. She was like, it is ridiculous that we're expecting people to win immunity just to give it up and make fire. It's like, you should be benefited for winning immunity. Like what's more important, winning the final immunity challenge or winning the fire making challenge. The better thing is winning the immunity challenge so that you don't make fire. So that's the same thing as people saying, Oh my gosh! Well, Michael Jordan never went one had won a game seven in the finals. You know why? Because he didn't have to go play seven games, and that's something that I think that um, we now have this expectation because of what Chris Underwood did. That it's like, oh my gosh! Like you have to make fire if you come off Edge of Extinction. You have to win at least one immunity, properly play an idol, and make fire to get in. You're right, and I think. When Edge of Extinction happened, I liked it, and I'm glad that Chris won. There are a lot of people saying, Chris should not have won. He got voted out like third. That's ridiculous. Chris was not good at Survivor either. But Chris was really good at like six days of Survivor. He was the best. That was the best six days anyone could have played, and he did it. So it's like Natalie not only played those those last six days about as well as she could, except for letting Tony into the final three. But she also did it throughout the season, which Chris didn't do. Like, Natalie doesn't get back if she doesn't work her tail off on Edge of Extinction every day to get all those million fire tokens so she can have all the million advantages and get the idol. So, like, I think that... And that's why, to me, it would have been a much more legitimate win for Natalie because she had to do things to put herself into a position to win those challenges to get back in the game. Whereas instead of just being good at the best at the challenge, you know, or whatever, um, which I'm, I, I, my memory might be failing me, but I'm pretty sure Chris had an advantage in that last challenge because he found something on the island. But it was just one thing. It wasn't like a season's long journey to like build up these tokens to buy an advantage. Um, and so that's, I agree with you. That's probably what I would say as well. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's move on. Um, I want to talk about Denise here a little bit. Do you think that Denise at final six thought she had a chance to win? Yes. Yes, I do. I think that she thinks that voting out Sandra was huge. And I think at the point that she made that move, it was the biggest move in the game. But... I think she would have had a chance to win if she got there with the right people and how she got there with the right people. But her lack of moves late in the game really cost her. But say she makes it with Ben and Nick. Let's say those are the three there. She's going to win. Let's say she makes it with Ben and Michelle and say she made she made the move to knock out Tony. She may win. So it's like, I think Denise had a chance, Final Six, but she was too scared to make any kind of move to win, if that makes sense. Like, she was so self-preservation that she's like, I just want to make it, I just want to last. 
I just want to last. And then she lasted until she got screwed when she didn't have an idol and then she got voted out. But if things go according to plan there, she's in the final four. And if you vote Tony out, then maybe you get further. I don't know. What if she what if she makes fire against Tony and wins? Yeah, I, I struggle with that. And I think that's probably probably I'm thinking I don't think she had a chance once it was final six. Probably because of the edit. Because she got kind of left out of the edit after the merge. Um, except for a few conversations you got to see where things were swinging around, where she was like, oh, what? Well, okay, well, we can do that, or we can't do that, or uh, whatever. So I you know, I, I think that Denise's game was another one where I think her personal feelings towards the other players really interfered with her gameplay. And that was something that... Like, I'm, you know, I, I would have expected in my earlier survivor watching days, or, or if we we're talking about a different season to come into play, I just think we've been seeing so many survivor games where personal feelings are like the last thing a player thinks about. Like, I feel like so many of the new players are just game bots. Like they're like, okay, well, I really, really like this person and I have a bond with them. I think now it's like if you help someone, like even more reason for them to cut you, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's why, like, when Sarah gave Nick the the Chinese food reward because she was like, he just got blindsided and it's his birthday or whatever. Everyone was like, oh, oh she's what a, a fake move. Like that is some crap. Like it's like wow, what a what a what a game move. Like she's let she's getting like way too. And, sentimental yeah i thought she was about to go because when you do that type of stuff now people just vote you out it's like oh you bought everybody a bag of rice you're voted out oh like you a sacrifice going on the reward for someone else you're getting voted out this and that and that happens all the time and that's a weird thing that i feel like this season it didn't get punished and a lot more players were doing it and i think that goes back to what i was saying earlier about the different um, styles of gameplay blend blending together. Um, a lot of players are still have that old school mind or at least that like middle school, like seasons twenties mindset of this person di- saved me in this game. So I have to keep them around at least for a certain amount of time. Right. Tony. I mean, even Tony, when Sarah got back, he was like, Sarah, what are you doing? And it's like, like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's kind of crazy because I feel like a lot of people see it as fake now, just like a, a game move. And there's really no, like, like kind, there's no, there's an episode of Friends that said there's no selfless good thing, good acts of kindness that you can do yeah, to there's someone There's no, not, no truly selfless act. Right. Because it's like, well, if you do something selfless, then you're making yourself feel better. So it's like, is that really selfless? Is it selfless to, you know, if I'm a big donor and I give a million dollars to some university for some study, but it has my name on the building, is that really selfless? So it's like anytime in Survivor, that's why that's what goes back to the whole game being subjective because it's like what could be viewed as like a bad game move could be a great personal move. And it's like how people draw that is going to be up to them. And it, I feel like for players that don't know their identities and know like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm, this is like what I'm doing, period. 
that's really hard because it's like when you get to final tribal council, you have to defend your actions and like you can say, oh, there really was nothing to that. Or people can just call you out on stuff and you're going to have no response because it's like if you're not consistent, then people are just going to freak out on you. Like if you're really not doing something good for a good reason, people will see it and they'll know. And even if you are doing it for a good reason, sometimes they'll see it as fake. And that just kind of that's, just blows my mind because sometimes when I'm watching Survivor, I really like a character and then people are like, that person sucks. And I'm like, why? Like what? I totally read that completely different than you did. Like the whole thing, the tribal council with Jeremy and Denise, where they were all scrambling or whatever and Denise was sick of it and Jeremy was like, hey, like, and Denise was like, no, I'm done. I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, she gave him the hand. Like it was like, Twitter started freaking out. They were like, I can't, Denise, that is so mean. I can't believe you would say that. Like, what's wrong? And I'd be like, listen, I'm a mother of of a teenage daughter. These people are freaking driving me crazy. I'm in my 40s. I don't want to talk to you. I just want to be done with this. I don't even care. Like, it's nothing per. I'm just sick of it. Just let's just vote. I'm t- I can't do this anymore. Like, I, that to me rang so much more with me. Like, Denise became one of my favorites because she was like, finally, there's some personality here that I can actually see and be like, oh, yeah, I agree. But other people read that as like, Jeremy's like, oh, you know we're going to play longer than tonight, right? And it's like. Yeah, it was like threatening her. Like, yeah, I'm going to take you out if, if, if I'm still around because you did this. Yeah. Like, what the heck? And Denise is actually like, she was, already gave him an idol in the season, and it's like, ugh, dumb. Dumb. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I uh, heard an interview with Denise today as well, and she was saying, like, just the backlash that she received from that. And she was like, I was, it, I obviously meant no disrespect to Jeremy. Like, she didn't say obviously. I'm saying that. But she's like, I, I meant no disrespect to Jeremy. I was like, I was just over it. It was like, we've been out here for 30 days. Like, I am tired of this. Like, this whispering has been going on for a really long time. Like, I came here knowing who I was going to vote for. I'm still going to vote that way. So let's just hurry up and vote so we can go back and, like, move on with our lives. And that's what she was saying today. And, um, yeah, I mean, th- something that I've I've discovered more this season than ever before is the amount of just hate that these players have to endure on social media while their season is airing. Like people like talking bad to Michelle because of her relationship with Wendell or talking bad to Wendell because of his relationship with Michelle. And it's just like, do y'all have nothing better to do than to harass these people that you do not know? It's like, this isn't even like the, these aren't even like, um, uh, public servants like these aren't even like they're not political figures they're not celebrities they're not they're, athletes they're that are making C millions of dollars or d or e level celebrities like get off these people case like literally their only income is their cameo account man like like get like seriously get off their case and like denise had to like get off twitter for two weeks uh before the finale because she was like i just like this is not good for my health like Ben isn't on Twitter. Um, like Michelle is on it all the time. And like she was, she posted something like, Hey, like just so everybody knows, like these are real people that y'all are talking to and like have real feelings and you're acting horrible. And like, that is something like, yeah, like 
if you were a like villain player in like season 15, everyone watching it hated your guts. But you know what? They didn't have your phone number. Twitter didn't exist. They couldn't really find out how to talk to you. They were just mad at home. They couldn't even go on the internet and say anything unless they had like a survivor blog. Like, and so this is uh, really just, in many ways, a great time to be a reality TV person because the amount of fame that you are able to do and the way that you can leverage that into business opportunities is so great. But at the same time, like the amount of just needless lashback that you're receiving uh, is absolutely absurd. Yeah, and one thing I'll add, I mean, these people aren't professional basketball players who are making millions of dollars and you're criticizing their performance or something ridiculous that they did. These are like police officers and like firemen and third grade teachers. It's like, and stay at home moms. It's like these people are not like, they're not like shooting for this pedestal that is like above everything. They just wanted to come on. They wanted to play Survivor. They want to see if they can make some money. But I feel like a lot of people, even when I think about going on Survivor, I don't think about when I come home and then I watch it with everyone in the, on, on planet Earth. You know, and I think I think that's something that we need to realize not only with Survivor but with everything. It's like that crap is just like so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. Like you could say like political figures that are ruining people's lives. Like, okay, fine. Like, let's, let's, let's do something. Let's say like, yeah, you suck. Okay. Yeah. Or yeah. I mean, I like, I'm not saying like you should just trash political figures, personhood, like make it at least like a critique of what they're doing. Right. But even still like to do that to these people is absurd to me. Yeah. And so I don't know. Did you catch the thing at the end of the finale where Jeff said, we're going to try to do be on the air in the fall? Yes, I did. What are your thoughts? I don't know how they're going to do it. I think, I think if they drop them off in Arizona, that would be really interesting. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, there's probably a way out somebody, someplace out there near the Mojave desert where they could probably do something. Is Mojave desert. Is that right? Is that in America? I have no idea. The desert is what I call it. I think it's the Mojave. So, I mean, they could probably do it. They could have, like, a token 10 spark, too. But it's like, I don't know. It's going to be interesting with everything going on. Like, they would have to not only self-isolate all the, like, at the pace we're going now, they wouldn't have to, they would only, they would have to self-isolate all the players, but they'd also have to self-isolate all the staff and everything. And I don't know who's going to sign up to do that. Like, oh, a lot of people are going to sign up to do it. I guess they might just be bored or unemployed. So like they're going to get maybe like a lot more applicants this time. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, maybe. Um, But I don't know what, what it's going to look like. He said this thing about 14, 15 and 16. Yeah, man. Um, If, if they're having teenagers on survivor one, number one, I really, really, really don't want to watch that. Number two, I really, really, really do want to watch that. Like at the same time, I feel both things because um, I want to see a bunch of TikTok teens get out there and not have their phones and just start flipping out about five hours in. Like I want to see like 
And the people that are Boy Scouts or whatever, they're not even going to be able to make fire. They're going to start getting ridiculed by the cool kids. Like, I just think all of that would be really interesting. Then there's, they're going to like focus in on like the youth group kid and they're going to like show them praying um, out like by the river or whatever. And I just like, it's going to be a completely, like if it's teenagers, it is going to be completely different than every other season of Survivor. Yeah. Uh, quarantine edition. That's what I like to call it. But yeah. uh, it's, I mean, back to the whole ridicule thing. If there were kids on there and they oh, were, gosh. they were like these TikTok people think that they're tough. They think that they're, they know who they are. When you have like fat, bald, 40 year old men sitting in their underwear on their living room harassing you, that's tough. Although they're not going to be on Twitter and that man's not going to be on TikTok. So, I mean, I don't know. I feel like a lot of kids are on Twitter these days. It's just, I would, I would, that would, that would take way more care than normal. I, I remember watching Tokentons and you see, I can't remember, I think it's Spencer maybe, uh, but this 19 year old guy gets on there and he's like, I'm 19. I'm the youngest survivor player ever. And like, he was a freshman in college, at, like at Florida or something. And it's yeah. like, how do you go back to college when everyone knows who you are? Everyone knows how you got voted off. Everyone knows everything about you personally that you put on the show. Like, I feel like with kids, that would be really, really rough. I'm not saying that I wouldn't watch it and watch Twitter while I'm watching it, but it would be really, really rough. And I, the editors would have to do an incredible job and not just completely make it some kid look like an idiot. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, uh, and they might do like a thing with parents, um, sort of like a blood versus water, but faculty staff, yeah, fa- a, fa- a, uh, a student a faculty student, staff, yeah. uh, game camper staff survivor. Um, I think that would be, f- you know, that would, I'm not saying that would be fun. Like I just didn't think there was going to be survivor. So either way I'm stoked. Like if they can get survivor on in the fall and the spring, like I was, I was, prepping i was building my like spy shack down so that we could make it a year without new survivor episodes and so if we're able to have uh two survivor seasons in the next year i mean that that would be awesome uh what was that what was that show with the teenagers endurance endurance yeah Yeah. um it was on like nbc saturday mornings Mm -hmm. um now granted i kind of want to now i'm thinking i kind of want to go back and watch that show i loved that show that yeah. show was incredible to me. I was five, but it was incredible. I don't these think kids, you were five. I was. I feel like I was in middle school, probably. I was young. Those kids were like in a high school, and that's probably why I thought it was cool. It was like a kid's survivor, and I I was so in because I felt like I didn't really like I watched Survivor, but I didn't really get everything that was going on on Survivor. Endurance, it's like. There were still, it was like baby Survivor, you know, Survivor Junior. Yeah, there wasn't like, a, they didn't show much scheming. Like they, they, most of the time was spent at the challenges and then at the voting. Right. And there was like, I just, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it watching it, um, but it was nothing compared to some good old fashioned Parvati Shallow and Amanda Kimmel, you know? Like once, like my middle school brain was exploding uh, once Parvati was on the TV. Um, so, you know, I just like, I, I can't watch. I don't like, how are people going to, I just don't even know, but I'll be, I will definitely watch it. I will definitely 
play in a survivor pool, play in a survivor fantasy league. I listen to the podcast. You know why? Because I love Survivor. And this could be their opportunity to try something that they would never try before. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what we talk about with the NBA. We're like, you know what? Like, maybe this, they can try something that maybe they've thought about trying before, but definitely wouldn't mess with the status quo. But now, the status quo is completely gone. So, just go for it, whatever you want to do. And so, you know, I'll watch it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting for Shizzle. Anything else you want to talk about with the Survivor finale or the season? Um, no, I obviously think Yule and Sophie left too early, but you know that's just me because I love them both. Yule is. Uh, I just want to play Yule's voice. Um, like I want him to have a podcast that's just him talking, <laughs> and then play it as I go to sleep at night. It's so soothing. Like his voice is like, you know, Jeff. I don't really talk that much. And it's like, oh, you're like, oh, you're like, just I've like, got a little bit of stage fright. And then he'll just say like the most eloquent thing ever. Yeah. Which like he works for Facebook. So like he really. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He works for Facebook. Like he doesn't need the money. He's one of the higher ups at Facebook. Oh, wow. And so um, the fact that they were able to get him, I think a lot of people were surprised because he already won a million dollars and now he's making good money at Facebook. Yeah. I will say it was really cool to watch. I feel like Cook Islands is a very different season than a lot of other seasons. It was very simple. It like they held true to their alliance and they won like a bunch of challenges to kick out all the white people and it was awesome. Um but uh hit, having him in there again with the dynamics with all the characters was really interesting. Because Yule is not like a crazy gameplay guy. He's not going to blindside everybody. He's just going to stick with the numbers. He's going to make logical things. He's going to be loyal. And then turns out Nick, Wendell and Michelle were not uh, the same. (laughs) Right. And like, you know, when he got voted out, I was like, I kind of get it. Like he wasn't down to play their brand of survivor. Um, And they were also like, I think having Yule in our Alliance might make us a target because all the other old school guys are gone. Right. So, I mean, I understand it. I did hate to see Yule go. Um, Sophie is a boss. I think that she could have easily won this season had she not, if, if she had got Tony before Tony got her, which I felt like that was coming to a head either way in the next, in the, like within either that episode or the next for that crew. And, um, Tony got her first, so yeah. to the victor goes the spoils. And it's something interesting. I feel like, you know, I listened to a couple podcasts, and they they were talking about, at that point, at that juncture of the game, they were really talking about the Goliaths of Jeremy and Sarah going at each other, and that they were going to go at each other eventually. But really, it was Sophie and Tony was really the narrative that was going on, because they both wanted Sarah, and they both couldn't have Sarah. Not Jeremy and Sarah both wanted Tony. I thought that was interesting that Sophie was the real, the real person, the real glue guy. Yeah. I mean, I thought that she played an excellent game and she has everything to be proud of. You know, a character that I really thought was really entertaining this season was Adam. Um, I, I there, I did want him to get voted out. Like he, he was do, doing all these erratic things, but he was playing so hard and it was great television. Like what was he? The first, like, from like the second episode when he just like told Rob, Hey, we're voting out Parv, like whatever. Like, what are you doing? You're an idiot. He tried like, to Boston Rob, Boston Rob. Yeah, like what is he thinking? And like Boston it was so funny watching Boston Rob get the news. He was like, Oh man, are you are you serious? Oh man, are you serious? 
but it's not me though, right? And he's like, no, Rob, it's not you. Like, I got, I got your back. And it's yeah. like, Rob was just like, that was the, you're an idiot. Like, that's so dumb. That was something like Boston Rob would do. He would go to somebody, like, let's say it was reversed and he goes, hey, Adam, gonna have to take out your buddy Poverty tonight, but don't worry. It's not gonna be you, so uh, you can, I've got your back. But just saying, just so you know, going in, Poverty's going home. And, like, I just think that was the way that they set it up with him, like, the beginning of the episode. He's like, you know, what's going on is very, very risky, but (laughs) if you do it right, it's going to be a game-changing, great play. And it was like, oh. You thought he was going to pull it off when it started, and then... It did not. It immediately went south. Yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. It's like, what are you winning at that point? A jury vote? Like the third episode? Adam, you're playing winners. Come on, man. Don't be dumb. Yeah, I would love to see Adam come back. I think he's someone that like maybe could. Uh, I think he's that entertaining of a player. and he, He's young. I feel like he still would want to because uh, he just lives. He just eats, sleeps, breathes, survivor. Like he's, he's grinding like survivor south africa tape right now like this dude <laughs> loves survivor that's why he thought he could get an immunity idol at tribal council because he saw it on survivor south africa so someone like that obviously i'd love to see michelle come back i mean i don't i i don't think she would she will but i mean I'd, i would love for her to come back um sophie i'd love to see come back um but i really think that if not for all the players at least 35 of them are probably never going to play survivor again. And I'm okay with that. I think this was, a, they did a, they did a large amount of send offs this season. Um, they sent Sandra off like a queen. Um, they sent Rob and Amber off like, like and Ethan. I mean, they, Ethan was like just throwing 99 miles per hour this season. Yeah. Everything was a fastball. He was crushing, man. His story is incredible. And it's, you know, his, I feel like with this season, there are so many narratives that they could have focused on. And I'm glad they focused on Ethan as like the oldest winner. as like the, the winner from the earliest season. And, you know, his cancer survivor story is incredible. And, man, it was, I, like, I don't know how much this is produced or edited, but that whole thing with him going and getting like the logs and like falling down. And like, it's like, oh my yeah. gosh, like, this is crazy. Yeah. So I hope that's real because that's a heck of a story. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Anything else before we close out? No, sorry, that was a rant, but yeah, that was that was good. No, I'm yeah, good. Man. Uh well, thanks for doing this um on consecutive nights and saying some of the same things. I'm sure there's things we said last night that we didn't say tonight, and I'm sure yeah. we said we you know, the op- the opposite of whatever I just said. So yeah, you I, know. Yeah, I feel like, you know, the the uh, self-enlightenment is just not going to hit people. Like, we hit it last night. I feel like this is good. Like, people learn some life lessons, but no one's enlightened out of after this. I don't know. So. I feel like we got into more societal issues tonight than we did last night. We were more focused on the gameplay itself. And, you know, if you, if you yell at people on Twitter, I hope that this helped you to understand, you know, it's not always a cool thing to do. We all bleed red, man. We all bleed red. Red, white, and blue, America. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding for all my uh, liberal uh, lefties out there and all my, you know what? They, they, we're all Americans. 
I mean, I don't Republicans think listen to podcasts too. <laughs> That's what I learned to say from Michael Jordan. If you're listening to this not in America, please let us know. I want to know. Yeah, who how's you the are. weather in not in America? I want to. <laughs> I'm gonna be checking that out soon. <laughs> Anyways, Joel, thanks for coming on. Yeah, it was fun. It's been a blast. If you're listening at home, I hope that you know that we went above and beyond for you this week because uh, I really messed messed it up and, and we had to do this again. So um, send Joel some money. Joel, uh, if you want to post your Venmo on Twitter. I don't have Venmo. I have Cash App. Okay, so, so don't send Joel money. He has Cash App. Doesn't <laughs> That doesn't really count. He'll never get it. It's just a you have you not you probably haven't even heard of Cash App if you're listening at home, but it's a, it's a Lipscomb thing. So um, anyways, uh, I hope that everyone has a great week, and I think we're going to get a podcast together for the last dance this weekend, uh, reacting to the final two episodes, which air on Sunday night on ESPN and ESPN2. Um, So thank you for all your help by listening to this podcast. We are now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Podbean. So you know what that means. You can listen to this podcast, which you have obviously figured out how to do. So uh, give us a five-star review or don't review us at all. So, yeah, just give us a five-star review, and we would love that. Um, I hope that everybody has an awesome rest of your week, and I will talk to you on Sunday.